Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And welcome back to Wine Times, brought to you in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club with me, comedian and wine novice Susie Ruffle. And me, Will Lyons, the Sunday Times Wine Columnist and Vice President of the Sunday Times Wine Club. Throughout this series, we'll be joined by a handful of your favourite celebs for some good wine and some great times. As always, I'll be sharing my expert wisdom on all things grape-related, from the history of vineyards across the globe to the science behind your favourite wines. And I will take on my favourite role as apprentice of wine, voice of the people, as I inquisitively ask the questions we're all thinking, like, why is it frowned upon to store red wine in the fridge? Well, Susie, actually, you can actually... Will, Will, save it for the podcast. When will he learn? Today, we're sat at the top of News UK's tower, looking out over London with a live audience, ready to sip the wine and, of course, have a good time. Discussing and decanting with Susie and myself today are broadcasters Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Yes, Jane and Fee have been chatting on our airways for three decades now with radio shows across the BBC. And earlier this year, they were welcomed onto Times Radio with a shiny new afternoon show wedged in between Mariella Fostrop and John Pina. Not to mention they are authors of their best-selling book, Did I Say That Out Loud?, and host a daily podcast, Off Air with Jane and Fee. Luckily for us, they were happy to join us straight from their live Times radio show for a tipple or two. Hello, Thea and Jane. Hello. Hello. Thank you for asking us. Yes, thanks sure. for coming down. It doesn't get better than this, does it? No. It what are we, Monday night? Monday night. Monday night, drinking wine above the news building. It's very nice. The Monday night club. It's what we always dreamt of. Yeah. <laughs> All those years toiling at the BBC, what we really wanted to do was sit here and drink wine with a load of nice people on a Monday night. Absolutely. Now, how long? How long have you two worked together? Well, like that business of decades I could have done without Susie. Sorry. Right. But although it is decades, we haven't worked together for decades. Mm. We were, could you say, how were we put together by the BBC? I think they just needed a couple of middle-aged women to make a podcast. <laughs> and we were literally just standing there like spare parts. <laughs> no, oh, those two, that'll do. Yeah, what about those two? Yeah, they'll be all right. And it was pretty much that, wasn't it? It was. We hosted the radio festival, which is our industry's annual shindig back in the day up in Salford and I think we were the first women to ever host the festival and this was 2013 <laughs> and right. it came as an enormous shock to an industry where you know bearing in mind half the audience is female that two women might be vaguely entertaining as hosts <laughs> so from vaguely entertaining I think there was a commissioning editor in the room who thought oh they're quite funny doing this uh, so let's put them together and send them off to do a podcast. But Jane's right, it was very early doors in the podcasting world. And we were a bit canaries down the mine shaft, just, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll put them out there, see what happens. Uh, And then fortunately, just kind of uh, took off, really. 
Yeah. And that's our previous podcast. Yes. In yes. our pre times life. Yes, yes, of course that happened, but yes. we don't need to focus on it anymore. No, we don't. At all. No. Like, embarrassing <laughs> uncle, he's gone now. And we're here. Yes. Do you both enjoy a glass of wine? Well, um, <laughs> that's actually slightly, it's not tricky territory. Um, I would like to drink more wine, but I just cannot process it. I'm really sorry, Will. I, no, I can have usually one contracts. glass and then I'm just about done for. She really is. And if it's red wine, I just get a pounding head, a headache after a couple of mouthfuls. But I write about this a lot in the column. Okay. I've reached, I'm 46, I've reached middle age and my palate has definitely changed. Certainly when I was first getting into wine in my 20s, I did a lot of book learning and I love the big reds, those power, you know, lots of primary fruit, that subtle sort of high alcohol wines. Now I'm much more, I, I, I probably drink more white wine than I do red wine. I think your palate changes, but also I think you'll have a lot more responsibility in later life. So as I was saying earlier, I think if you're, you know, if, if you're really busy, it's nice to sort of wind down with a glass or two, but you can't obviously overdo it like you did in no. the 20s I, and 30s. I, <laughs> I grew up with my grandmother in the home and she was well into her 80s and boy, could that woman put it away. <laughs> uh, and she was about, I think she was about four foot ten. You know, she was a minute <laughs> woman, but I, she really had drinking boots and I obviously gave her a great deal of enjoyment and I just, I want to be her, but I don't feel I'm ever going to be her actually. I just seem to be the sort of person who just gets really affected by alcohol. And I've been searching my whole life for the drink that I can enjoy that doesn't give me a banging hangover. Can you help me, Will? It's water. Is it water? (laughs) (laughs) Terrible feeling. Even I can't keep up with that generation. My mother-in-law is 84. I stayed with her for a week in the summer. And come 12 o'clock, she always is mixing a G&T. And it was a comical moment this summer where the only thing we had in the fridge, I don't know where it came from, it certainly didn't come from me, was a can of Stella. And I walked out and she was, I'm on the Stella, drinking from the can. <laughs> because at 12 o'clock she must have a drink, and then at 6 yeah. o'clock it all happens again. Yeah. And it, she gets up in the morning. But do you think it does come, that ability to drink more, do you think it comes back in old age? Are we just be. passing through a particularly kind of sensitive middle-aged time? <laughs> well, possibly. Well, I, someone's I'm laughing at yeah, the notion of us being sensitive. Yeah. I'm probably not the best person to ask as someone who drinks probably wine every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do think as you get older, stay hydrated. And as they do in Italy, drinking mm. wine with the meal is, is a good idea. Right. We, you know, that, that idea that the, the, the Brits tend to drink wine like we drink beer, sort mm. of on its own in front of the television. I, I think that's a, that's a bad idea. My first bottle of wine that we used to drink as teenagers in, I grew up in the suburbs of Liverpool, was a Bulgarian country wine. Does anybody else remember that? It was about one pound seventy in Ooh. 1981. And, um, you know, you could certainly have a good night on it. Um, <laughs> but, but the next day was, was nothing much to write home about, if I'm honest. What are we starting with? Well, what are we all starting with everyone tonight? Everyone's got a glass of wine in front Yes, of everyone's good. got a glass. Okay. So we're starting in Italy, and we have a wine here that I think, well, I was saying to Jane earlier, you may have heard of it, it's a Garvey de Garvey. So Italian wines are incredibly complex. <laughs> I think Hugh Johnson said that, it, you know, trying to understand Italian wines is like mapping the inside of a beehive. But there are certain wines in Italy that we've all heard of, like Suave, Prosecco, um, Chianti, and I'd probably put Garvey de Garvey in that. So we're in Piemonte. Thank you. So northwest Italy, there's a great variety called Cortez. And this had tremendous commercial success 
in the 60s, 70s, and early 80s kind of garden. It's known for its sort of citrusy, light. Oh, it's um, very fruity. Yes, it's fruity and aromatic. I mean, this isn't really a natural wine for a December day when it's freezing cold outside. Yeah. This is the first wine of the night when you're on your Tuscan holiday or your holiday in the south of France. And I like to think, you know, you've just had a shower, you've come, you put on your best, your sort of relaxing clothes, and you've come out for the, the, the evening, and you're just going to have a sneaky glance in your room or on the terrace or wherever you are just before supper. And this is the wine you want. I'm in a caftan already, Will. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. The view's sensational. It's a slightly kind of dusky evening. Yeah. It's beautiful, actually. So would this yeah. be a drink that you would happily have without food? You're saying it's a bit more than a Maybe parenting. a glass. Yeah, yeah. maybe a glass. And then you could... Um... But you want to know that dinner's on its way? Yeah. Mm. Well, we always want to know that. Soon, yeah, don't we? and we don't want to be cooking it, much more importantly. Yeah. Mm. Fee, are you, are you someone to have a glass of wine at home? So I, a little bit similar to my colleague here, have lost the ability to, uh, to really drink. Uh, I did really used to like a glass of wine, mm -hmm. you know, back in my 20s, but well, that is quite a long time ago now. <laughs> That's three decades ago now. Uh, but I've become an enormously uh, big fan of Carver, and I'm interested to see Will's reaction to that because I think somebody just laughed openly in my face when I said something <laughs> like Carver before. Somebody just did it here. And I don't know what to make of that really well because I just enjoy the, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I, I find it a kind of quite a sharp drink, quite enlivening yeah. and, you know, a decent glass of that really on the evening. So Carver gets such a bad rap. It does, so doesn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, why is that? Because I like it too. Well, it's, it's obviously, let's just rewind it. So it's made in Spain in the same way as champagne. So you have a secondary fermentation in the bottle. So a lot of care mm. and craft goes into making carver. Different grape varieties from champagne. I always think it has more of a savoury, nutty character than champagne. The reason I think, is only my own personal opinion, why it gets a bad rap is because they chase the sort of supermarket crowd in the 80s and 90s and as soon as you go down that sort of discounting you, you, you can't sort of claw your way back it's a little like the english um sparkling wine industry at the moment in that it obviously it, it, um english sparkling wine is quite expensive but i think we need to keep it there because once you start discounting it's very hard to sort of then throw off the shackles people think it's a, a, a cheap product well how much do you pay for an english a good english sparkling 35 pounds a bottle £35. 30 to £35. Okay. Right. But, it's, but, but a lot of craft goes into that. You have to grow the grapes and make it have a secondary fermentation. So coming back to your question, yes. Carver is the insider's choice. Oh, good. The, the sort of oh, I think it's great. Phew. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we had a Carver today, didn't we? As you, as you came in, we had a Carver. I find it a little yeah. less claggy than champagne. And yeah. I, that's a, a sentence I never really thought I'd say, Will, but I've said it out loud. I never thought I'd hear you say it. I'm pleased I was here to witness it. <laughs> yeah, well, there's lots of different styles of champagne. Will there be a time in your lifetime when we could do wine, wine? Well, very good question. We are living through the great English wine boom of the 21st century. We now have around 900 vineyards and 157 wineries. I say that because we have more vineyards in England than we do in Napa Valley, which is incredible. And are there going I'm to be loads more vineyards popping up around the country. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. So we, it started in Sussex. Now we have vineyards in Dorset, Devon, 
uh, Berkshire, Oxfordshire. And I think the other thing that we're, we're, that's going to be really good in England is wine tourism, because like Champagne grew up around the prosperity of Paris, we, have, we, we, we still have the world's largest financial centre behind us. And we're incredibly thirsty in this country. I mean, we, it, it amazes me, we're the number one market for Prosecco. A couple of years ago, we drank more champagne than the whole of North America. I think they've just reached parity with us now. And it's incredible. We drink a lot of Carver. We drink a lot of English sparkling wine. We drink a lot of Cremont. We know what we're good at. <laughs> but if you, look at the, if you look at it, you've got things like horse racing, weddings, everywhere. It's just like open up the bubbly, isn't it? Should we move on to wine too? So we are leaving Italy. So we're Thank crossing you. the Atlantic and we're going to the sunny state, California. Now, this, we've had this one on the podcast before and it's one of my favourites. 6,000 miles across the Atlantic. Here we are. Very good. I think, the, I think the thing we can all agree on <laughs> is you can't make any generalisations about California. It's so vast and so different. I was there in March and I drove up from San Francisco through Napa up to Sonoma. And as you go, you just go through lots of different microclimates. And I think when I got up to Sonoma, it's all sort of small homesteads with giant redwoods and green wooded valleys. I stopped at Bodega Bay where the birds were spawned. Um, but we're in, the, we're, we're in the Central Valley. So we're sort of um, southwest of Napa and Sonoma. So we're west of San Francisco. We're drinking a, a Pinot Noir. What do you think? I think that's lovely. Really, yeah. really yeah. lovely. And it smells a bit, uh, smells a bit charcoal-y, doesn't it? Ooh. Ooh. Do you like that? Yeah, that tastes good. Yeah, something yeah. very good. Would you have that with a big, lovely piece of beef? I think I probably would. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The fruit here is from an area called Lodi, which is um, actually one of the bread baskets of America. I think they grow lots of nuts there, lots of fruit. It's a big agricultural area. And actually, it's known, it's famous for Zinfandel, which is a big, pungent red wine. And they only have a little bit of Pinot. But what I love about this Pinot is it silky, isn't it? As you said, it's got that silky texture. And, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Do you like it? Can you take, can you? I think you have I have, I've had a little mouthful <laughs> yeah. and I thought it was tremendously full-bodied. But I have to say, I, I couldn't imagine, I know it sounds ludicrous, I couldn't imagine drinking glass. I would be, I'd be, well, be, I'd be bright red in the face if not for anything else. <laughs> I don't understand why it seems to impact me in such a, an over-the-top over and dramatic way. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's probably just an allergy I've got. I just have to accept it. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned sulfites. You know, everyone says lots of yes, sulfites okay. in wine. It gives me a headache. They get a bad rap as well, like Carver, because mm. actually there's more sulfites in a, in, a, in a bottle of Robinson's orange juice than there is in wine. Really? Um, but you dilute what, that. But, but what, and then, <laughs> yeah, good point. You don't get as bad a headache if you're always having spritzers either. What about mixing drinks? Because I was always telling you that if you really want to avoid a hangover, just drink white white drinks. That was one of one of the techniques people. And I think you're you obviously able on a not in your working life, yeah. but in your social life, to maybe start the evening with a glass of. Yes, champagne. Then maybe have white wine. Then maybe have red wine. Then maybe drink port. Can you really do that? Well, not well. I don't. That's not seven like nights a, a week, mix. but you know. but it, without sounding too pious, and I and I, and I do try and drink responsibly. Where I do fall down, I love drinking with old friends and friends. I do, and we drink, and we 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 do drink quite a lot. But the key thing is to have it with food, I think, and to drink lots of water, keep hydrated. But with mixing drink, if if the wines of yeah, I can have a glass of champagne and a white wine and a red wine. That's not really a problem. 
I think when you go onto the port, then it starts to. Okay. <laughs> well, then it, it, then you end up on the Guinness. Or, oh no! Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> Since I've been so. doing this podcast, my wife has noted that I've got better at drinking. Oh. She's like, Do you know what? We've, we've really got something. You're a lot less drunk yeah. when we go out for dinner. So thanks, Will. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <right. laughs> it's really nice, isn't it, to get something out as well as well. But it's just slowing it down, isn't it? Like when you, if you're in France. And you're having lunch and you're watching that, if you're in Paris, and they're, they're poor glass of, of, of Sancerre. And you can bet your bottom dollar that the person on the table next to you will still have that glass of Sancerre virtually at the end of the, the meal. You know, mm. but they drink much more slowly than we do. We're gulpers, aren't we? We're gulpers. Mm. And I think, well, my own personal thing is in France, I think they just drink wine like we drink tea. It's just natural. They have it with every meal and they drink local. Whereas for us, it's still we still get excited, don't we? And still, mm. as you hear the the cork pop, there's that Pavlovian response. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it, it could... You get the straw out, yeah, the yeah. romance. <laughs> and then you talk about California, where, 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 where we're sipping now, and they hardly drink at all there, do they? I mean, that's the other yeah, thing. Yeah, they are very abstemious. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they've got other stuff going down, haven't they? Well, yeah. I, <laughs> 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 I was in Napa, I rang the restaurant and said, with an early flight tomorrow, or late flight, but we want to have a, a table at six. Would that be all right? Is it too early for you? I said, no, fine. And we went down at six, and it was packed. And by eight, everyone had left. Yeah. And we were still going. I think they thought we were British alcoholics. During your drinking days, if you can call them that, <laughs> My drinking days. who was the most famous wine lover you, you shared a glass with? You must have at the BBC had the site, I shouldn't mention them, but... We have no fun place. at the BBC at all. <laughs> well, no, I mean, if you, if you knows, I've very recently had dinner, or no, not dinner, lunch, I wish it had been dinner, uh, at the Ritz with Ken Follett. Ooh. I know, who's a fabulous writer and incredibly successful. And it was all slightly complicated date set up by, well, it wasn't a date. Ken's very happily married. I need to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> it was the lunch date you heard it here first. Someone tweet it. By, <laughs> no, absolutely not. By a listener to our podcast who had heard me going on about Ken Follett's thrillers, which became a little bit of a talking point, unfortunately, our previous podcast. Um, and there are all sorts of good things about Ken Follett's books. And there are some quite funny things about the way he describes a woman's, a woman's breast through time, for example, which Fee and I would occasionally take issue with, and we'd attempt to read out some of his descriptions of, of bosoms through a woman's lifetime. Um, yeah, and <laughs> anyway... Back, back on track. Yes, back right on track. Um, <laughs> um, a listener saw advertised um, a chance to have lunch with Ken Follett uh, at the Ritz with all the, with the money going to charity. And this fantastic woman bid... I think it was, was it £2,000? I think it was a bit more, actually. And she's called uh, Veronica, isn't she? Veronica, Agent V. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she paid an incredible amount of money and couldn't, because I think she lives in Malaysia from memory. So she couldn't have the lunch. So I went in her place and drank the most fabulous champagne with Ken Follett all afternoon at the Ritz. And that's what you drink, with champagne? Well, I don't really, yeah, if I was going to be honest, my favourite drink, if I'm out for a treat, I would always just have champagne. Yeah. I think it goes with everything. Yeah. I mean, if I if I were to do a podcast, it would just be called "Why you know don't drink, don't bother with wine, just drink champagne." It goes with everything. Um, but I, you know, and I did have a most extraordinary hangover the next day. I wasn't fit for anything. But that's what I enjoy about drinking is those fabulous lost hours that yes. you can spend in in somebody's company. And Ken was a fantastic companion and just talked a great deal about the inspiration for his books and how he writes them. And you know, it was a, it was really brilliant. So I really enjoyed it. And I think lunch is it's it's ideally suited for that. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Because you feel quite guilty that you're 
you know, wasting away the afternoon. Yeah. Well, you're not wasting it. No, no, I certainly wasn't yeah, wasting. Not, wasting, wasting sure not waste. Didn't feel yeah. like a waste. Ken yeah. enjoyed it so much he missed his hair appointment. <laughs> but actually, I just think he got a bit tiny bit tipsy and forgot he was he had a hair appointment. But anyway, and we got weeks of material. We got out of loads it. of material. Out of that <laughs> so it was it was well worth it. This is Wine Times with Susie Ruffle and Will Lyons. And we'll be back with more great wine and conversation before you even get the chance to top up your glass. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't get off onto our next glass. Yeah, should we do and that then straight away? Uh, yeah, before we yeah. begin chatting, what have we got next? So we're going back to Italy. Good. Uh, we're going to where I think we should always go in a wine tasting. We're going to Tuscany, Ooh. that wonderful region between uh, Siena and Florence. Anyone's been there, it's magical. Okay. And we're having a wine which is, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Super Tuscans, but essentially the, great, the, the main grape variety in Tuscany is Sangiovese, which makes Chianti, one of the most famous wines in the world. And Sangiovese is a grape that has lots of sort of juicy, spicy character, lots of dried herb aromatics and cherry and red berry flavours. But this is blended with a little bit of Merlot, just to temper it. And it's always a very popular wine, this, I think. This is the uh, Saracosa Governo. So part of the grapes were left to dry and it's to get more concentrated. That's, that gives it that, that sort of character. Does that make them more sugary? Yeah, and more fruit. And I mean, I think with Italy, you've got to start thinking about food. So we have to imagine we're having this with either crostini, small slices of bread with cheese and meats, or, I mean, wild boar, but who, who eats wild boar? Uh, any game. Actually, I can th- I just put my hand up? I went to make Como on holiday a couple of years ago, and I had... Probably the greatest meal of my life. I had wild boar risotto one evening. Oh, yes. And I am, I live with a couple of, well, one vegan child and a vegetarian. 
Um, so when I'm out, I just go mad for meat in this great <laughs> And I still think sometimes about that risotto. I remember, I mean, in Italy they do risottos so well. Oh my God, it was yeah. just unctuous and I just can't begin to do justice to it. I don't have the words. Do you have the words? <laughs> no, they're your words. You weren't there, actually. I think you should grapple with some wild boar in your local East West Kensington vicinity. <laughs> Bring them down, Jane. <laughs> Wrestle with a wild boar. Okay, I'll see what I can do. It's a beefy one, this. Yeah. yeah. I quite like that one, actually. I can imagine eating that with a really good, strong blue cheese or something. Yes. Oh, yes. I, think, um, yeah. I also wrote down chickpea soup with olive oil. You know, if you're, if you're in the sort of... You date like I'm not getting that. No, there's no, no need for that. <laughs> no. I mean, that's, that's, that's a bit too far even for me. Thinking about risottos, we did a cook-along during lockdown, one of the lockdowns with a celebrity chef. I can't remember who it was, actually. But all the ingredients derived, and I just couldn't believe how much butter yeah. we put in oh, this yeah. risotto. Yeah. And he was like, well, now we put the butter in. I was like, are you sure? That, that, that much? You just stir it. That's why it's so tasty, isn't it? Oh, it's so needy a risotto, risotto, though, isn't it? God, yeah. If you need a risotto for two minutes, it's like, oh, I'm done. Sorry, I'm burnt. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've got to be, like, right. You've got to be on it. Mm. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of tension. It'd be perfect for tonight, though. Risotto. This is just oh, a sort of perfect. weather. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's it. It's a whole evening of preparation. And mm. It's it's, you know, it's an it's event. A, it's a, it, yeah, it's a labour of love. Hey, will you be cooking at Christmas? Yes, I will. Yes. <laughs> oh, what um, will you be cooking for the vegan and the vegetarian? It, well, it gets slightly more complicated because we are. I'm taking my children to my parents' house in Liverpool, and I mean they are 89 and 88 respectively. And I will have to do something that fits the bill for everybody in a kitchen I don't really know, trying to keep my mother out of the way as, <laughs> as, as best I can, which I fear will not be all that easy. While my dad makes ham-fisted interventions and the children just probably resort to strong drink by the time <laughs> 10.30 rolls around. So I imagine if you can picture the scene at about half past four on Christmas afternoon, I will be bright red in the face probably crying and trying to do something, whip up some magic with a vegan sausage wreath or something. I don't <laughs> um, nothing says Christmas like a vegan no, sausage no, wreath. No, literally nothing. That. Will you do all the, the shopping here and take it out? Well, that's a really good question, Will. And, a... and I don't want to get technical or bore people, but I, <laughs> I actually, I did make a call earlier on to a, a restaurant in Liverpool, which mm. is actually brilliantly supplying Christmas hampers for people uh, in exactly my sort of situation. Yeah. So I just have to get there, pick it up, and then everything should be in the hamper. So I'll let you know how it goes. If you cool. could, I really think you should post now. a picture I will. at midday okay. on, on Christmas Day, just, just so everybody here knows that it turned out all right. Well, the thing is, by the time Christmas Day rolls around, you know it will be all right, won't it? It's, I, I yes. start, yeah. My heart starts to, basically, everything starts to lighten for me when the shops close on Christmas Eve, because yeah. then you can do no more. Um, yeah. And you will manage with whatever you have to hand the next day. And it's only a bloody roast dinner. Yes. <laughs> For God's that's sake, that's think. all it is. Get a grip, everybody. <laughs> yeah, my mum always gets very stressed. And this year I'm cooking for the first time and she keeps saying to me, she's like, oh, I'm very worried about your ham. And I'm like, yes. I'm not. Don't worry about it. It's going to be yeah, fine. Well, it's just it's just dinner. She wants to meet my mother. They could have a conflammable. Yeah, just telling <laughs> how useless their daughters are. <laughs> but we had um, Angela Hartley on the we podcast. We did. Who was saying that we don't do turkey this year. Do chicken, do two small chickens. 
And actually, I read Hugh Fernley Whittingstall agreeing, you know, echoing that. Well, I think the turkeys yeah. are very hard to get hold of, aren't yeah. they? Because yeah. of the they run very quickly. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So just do this two small chickens. Two small chickens. And I'm ham. escaping this year. So for the first time in 17 years, we're leaving the environment of Hackney in East London and going somewhere else for Christmas. And nice. I don't have to cook Christmas lunch, which is the most weirdly liberating. I mean, we're, you know, when we, we're still, what are we? A week and a bit away, but I haven't had to worry. Jane's Jane's had to worry for a very long time about the hamper, yes. the size of the kitchen, all that kind of stuff. Yes. And it's actually the most extraordinary sense of release not to have that one meal, you know, yeah. hoving into view. It's mm. astonishing how much we worry about it for then what it is. And, <laughs> you know, hopefully, I don't know, does anybody in the room have people who genuinely would feel that their Christmas was terrible if the Christmas dinner wasn't perfect? I mean, I don't think... I don't no. think people do really, do they? I think, I think if you have anyone like that in your life, cut them out. Yes, yeah. very just much. Make so. a decision yeah, exactly. now. So look, just get rid of them. I appreciate you're my sister, but I don't think this is working out. I'll see you on Boxing yeah. Day. But also, now I'm going to be a guest in someone's house. There's no way I'm going to complain if it's oh, not. Oh, really? Great for Yes, exactly. So why, you know, as the hostesses, we shouldn't be worrying so much as a young, ourselves. Because my parents always used to cook and then plate up everything for everyone, like 16 round the table. And as a young boy, my job was to get my grandmother's, who always complained it was cold, and put it in the microwave for a minute. <laughs> it's Susie's first Christmas, so... so you, I'm not one. No, no, but it's, it's your first Christmas hosting, isn't it? Cheers. So, uh, so you seem very confident. Is it? Yeah. Well, I just think... Well, I, I just agree. I just think it's a roast dinner. Yeah, it is. It, it I'm is very it. excited. I, 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 we've, it's the first time I've had a kitchen that's big enough to invite people round. Yeah, so it's very exciting. And I've got a, a toddler who is so confused about what Christmas is. It's very excited. I told her there's, where we live, there's a, um, there's a windmill. And I, we go there sometimes to have a little walk around. And we went up there the other day and it was closed. And I said, oh, it's closed because it's winter. That's why it's closed. It will open again in the summer. And she said, the winter's when Father Christmas comes. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And somehow in her little two-and-a-half-year-old brain, she's now decided that Father Christmas lives in that windmill. So every time we go past, she's like, hi, Santa. But it is adorable. So I think that, that's why I'm excited. It's less about cooking for everyone and more about... But because we all take ages to grow up now, I remember we only hosted our first Christmas about three or four years ago. And that, sorry, I don't want to put them off. I was so stressed out about it. Oh, and I did a timetable of it. You know, you have yeah. to do a timetable of when everything's going to be ready. And was that fun for you, Will? Because <laughs> <laughs> the wine is easy, the easy part. Normally I just do the wine, just pour the cork, and everyone yeah. says, oh, this is delicious. Mm. Yeah, we'll all be all right. Can um, we open the final yeah, wine, please? Yeah, let's the final wine. So I always think if you're trying to learn how to be a wine taster and identify those aromas, sweet wine is the easiest wine to, to, to start with because it has lots of primary flavours that we all recognise and love. We're in southwest France. We're going to Bordeaux, Oof. the world's largest fine wine region. And we're in Sauterne. And this makes arguably the greatest sweet wine in the world, this particular region. Uh, the, so we're about 25 miles from Bordeaux city. Mm-hmm. And just to get the technical bit out of the way, you make sweet wine like this. Is There's a river called the Siron, which meets the Garonne, which is a tidal river. And it goes through a pine forest. It cools down. And when those two rivers meet, you get these wonderful, picturesque, beautiful morning mists or fogs. Ever go to Saturn in late August, September, it's an Instagram sort of absolute delight. It's, it's the most beautiful wine region. So this fog hugs the vines 
and it makes the grape variety, which is Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon, it makes them rot, and they get infected with something called noble rot or botrytis, which essentially does two things. It concentrates, it dries them out, they have much more sugar, and it gives them much more of a complex, sweet character. So I always think if you think about sweet wine, there's lots of sweet wine in the world. What Saturn has as its signature is this complexity when you taste it, which can be anything. I mean, the great sweet wines, you can taste up to 18 different flavours, but you get this sort of unctuousness in, in the mouth. It's mainly honey, this one, isn't it? Yeah, honey is the big one. What's the difference between just a dessert wine and an ice wine? Well, ice wine is, its traditional home was in Germany, but cl- poor old climate change, is, they, they can't get down to, uh, the, the, they can't get the temperatures to, 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 um, uh, low, enough. Not, yeah, low enough. So it's now maybe found in Canada. Ice wine is when you leave the grapes and they get encased in ice and then you pick them. And it has, it has to be minus eight. And I always feel so sorry for the growers because most pickers, you pick your grapes in sort of, your grapes start growing in March and you pick them between August, September, October. And by late November, most winemakers are up on the Maldives on the beach. <laughs> Whereas in Canada, they're having to look at the temperature every night. And when it goes down to minus eight, it has to be there for four hours. They then have to get their pickers and say, right, we're going out picking. Out. Which is normally about four o'clock in the morning. That's the coldest time of the evening. They go out with huge clubs on, secateurs, and they pick these grapes, which are covered in ice. And what that does is, if you ever have ice wine, which is lovely, it's different to this, is it has very high acidity, which masks the, the, um, the sugar. The sugar, yeah. Um, now, what we should say about this is we are really treating you tonight because this not only comes from the greatest sweet wine area in the world. It comes from a very, I mean, I'm not allowed to say this publicly, but a very, very famous chateau there, which is arguably one of the great wines of the world. Mm. But it's, it's some of the wine that wasn't quite good enough to go into their first wine. And so the Sunday Times Wine Club has acquired it and bottled it. <laughs> Ooh, and yeah. what do you think? Well, I think it's, uh, I think it's extraordinary. I mean, it, it's... Uh, <laughs> It sticks to the side of the glass, doesn't it? Mm. It's like very, <laughs> yeah, it's very viscous. Um, can I ask? And I don't want to be, uh, you know, gender specific here. Maybe a question that should concern men too. But is it highly, highly calorific because it's so it's got a lot of sweet? So what? I would... don't know. Now, come on, I, I'm doing it off the top of my head, so please forgive me. But I think a can of Diet Coke has about 20 grams of residual sugar. Diet normal Coke. A normal Coke. Yes, a Scotch whiskey actually has trace, so there's no issue. Although the ethanol has calories in, mm. this will be Tokai, which is the most sweet wine you can get, has about 225 grams. I think this is about 160 to 190 grams of residual sugar. So it's a lot of sugar. So it is, isn't it? Is. But it's yeah. disguised, isn't it? By it is. I thought when they started to put calor- calories on, it is on, on some mm. wine labels, isn't it? Yeah. I think that was quite informative. I mean, I don't think I'd ever really considered well, uh, how, you know, how, how much you're adding to your daily... I mm. completely agree. Yeah. I remember when I used, to, I used to write to the Scotsman, and I said, if you ever want to get people to stop drinking, put the calories on wine, because a bottle of 
you know, good bottle of red wine is the same as having a Mars bar. Yes. Well, exactly. So a friend of mine did say to me, a large glass of, of red wine is like having a donut. And it was what put her on track for slightly less drinking, actually. It was the idea that she was having three donuts whilst, whilst watching a decent box set of an evening. So it was damning for her. You could look this up. I, I think this is right. I think there's less calories in a pint of Guinness than there are in a flute of champagne. So a glass of champagne has more calories than a pint of Guinness. Wow, really? That's should extraordinary. I, should I switch to Guinness? Have a Guinness <laughs> Get okay. one down here. Should do. Yeah. <laughs> a huge round of applause, please, for Thank C and J, our guest this evening. from us thank you very much for listening to this episode of wine times in association with the sunday times wine club produced by anya pierce and the series producer is ben mitchell you can follow the podcast so you never miss an episode just do this via your favorite podcast app we'll be back next week with more delicious wine and another great guest remember that all of the wines we tasted today are noted in the episode description and you can get your hands on all of them from the sunday times wine club website from all of us thank you very much for listening and we hope to see you next week for more wine times 